are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can head on over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you'd like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Storm Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 350. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 14, Paragraphs 651 to 661. 651. On the seventh day, these divine favors were still further increased and enhanced, although her divine Son did not descend from heaven in the last three days. But instead, she herself was raised up to him in correspondence with what had happened on the three days before the Incarnation. Accordingly, at midnight, at the command of the Most High Lord, the angels carried her up to the Empyrean heaven, where, while she was adoring the immutable being of God, the supreme seraphim clothed her in a vestment more pure and white than the snow and more refulgent than the sun. They girded her with a girdle of jewels so rich and beautiful that there are none in nature for comparison. Each one shone more brilliantly than the globe of the sun, yea, of many suns combined. Then they added bracelets and necklaces and other adornments befitting her whom they adored. And all these adornments, the seraphim, brought from the throne of the Most Blessed Trinity, each of them in its own way, signifying a new participation and communication of the divinity. And not only these adornments signified a new participation and communication of the divine perfections in their queen, but also the seraphim, those six that adored her, likewise represented mysteries contained in their ministry. 652. To these succeeded six other seraphim who, in another manner, adorned the queen, as it were, retouching her faculties and giving them subtlety, beauty, and grace, unspeakable in human words. And still other six seraphim furnished the celestial light by which her understanding and will was made capable of the beatific vision and fruition. Having thus adorned and beautified the great queen, all of the eighteen seraphim raised her to the throne of the most blessed trinity, and placed her at the right hand of the only begotten, our Savior. There she was asked what was her petition and desire. And the true Esther answered, I ask for my people, O Lord, Esther 7.3, and in their name and mine I desire and long to thank thy almighty clemency for giving human form to the eternal word in my womb for their salvation. To these petitions and prayers she added others of incomparable love and wisdom, supplicating for the whole human race, and especially for the Holy Church. 6.53 Then her divine Son spoke to the Eternal Father and said, I confess and praise thee, my Father, and I offer to thee this creature, the daughter of Adam, pleasing in thy eyes, as the one chosen for my mother, 
from all the creatures and as a testimony to our infinite attributes. She alone knows worthily and fully to estimate, and thankfully to acknowledge the favor I have shown to men investing myself in their nature for the purpose of teaching them the way of eternal life and saving them from death. We have chosen her in order that she might appease our indignation at the ingratitude and small return we receive from mortals. She makes up for what the others are either unable or unwilling to give, and we cannot despise the prayers which our beloved offers for them in the plenitude of her holiness, and entirely to our pleasure. 654. All these marvels were repeated on each of the last three days of the Novena, and on the last, which was the 25th of March, at the hour of the Incarnation, the Divinity manifested itself to her intuitively, and with a greater glory than to all the blessed. The saints received an addition to their accidental joy on all those days, but the last was one of greater festivity and of extraordinary jubilee, for the whole of Jerusalem triumphant. The favors received by the Most Blessed Mother on that day far exceeded all human thought, for all her privileges, graces, and gifts were on that day ratified and increased by the Almighty in an ineffable manner. As she was still a pilgrim, and knew all the conditions of the Holy Church in the present and the future ages, she asked and merited great blessings for all times. To say it more briefly, she obtained all the blessings which the divine power wrought for men from the beginning, and shall work unto the end of the world. 655. On all these feasts, celebrated by the great queen, she obtained the conversion of innumerable souls, which at that time and at succeeding times were to come to the Catholic faith. On this feast of the Incarnation, however, this privilege was made still more extensive. For on these days, she merited for many kingdoms, provinces, and nations the blessings and favors they have received in being called to the Holy Church. Those that, having preserved more faithfully in the Church, are so more the greater debtors to the petitions and merits of the Heavenly Mother. But it has especially been shown me that on the day on which she celebrated the Incarnation, she liberated all the souls from purgatory, and that from heaven, where this favor was granted to the queen of all creation and the mother of the Redeemer, she sent the angels to bring them to her, in order that she might offer them as the fruit of the incarnation to the eternal Father. For in that mystery he had sent his only begotten Son to regain for him the souls from the tyranny of their enemies. For all these souls Mary composed new canticles of praise, and in the jubilee of having thus augmented the heavenly court of heaven, she returned to the earth, where she continued her thanksgiving with her accustomed humility. This miracle is not at all incredible, for it is not strange that on the day on which the Most Holy Mary was raised to the immense dignity of the Mother of God and Mistress of all creation, all the treasures of the divinity should be open to the children of Adam, her brethren, and her children. For on that same day the divinity itself was poured out on her, entering her womb and uniting itself hypostatically with the substance derived from her. She alone in her wisdom could worthily appreciate this blessing special to her and the common good of all. 656. The solemnity of the birth of Christ her Son, she celebrated in still another manner. On the evening before she commenced with the exercises, hymns, and other devotions for the other feasts, and at the hour of the birth, her divine Son descended with myriads of angels and in glorious majesty, as on other occasions. He was accompanied also by the patriarchs St. Joachim and St. Anne, St. Joseph and St. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, as well as the other saints. Then the angel at the command of the Lord raised her from the ground and placed her at his divine right hand amid celestial harmony, 
rehearsing the hymn of glory as on the day of the nativity, and other canticles which the lady herself had composed in honor of this mystery and in praise of God's infinite perfections. After having united with them in these praises for a long time, the Heavenly Mother, with the permission of her son, descended from the throne and prostrated herself anew at his feet. In this posture, she adored him in the name of the human race and thanked him for his having been born in the world for their salvation. In addition to this thanksgiving, she prayed most fervently for all men, especially for the children of the church, urging the weakness of human nature, its need of grace and divine help for raising itself and for meriting eternal life. As an argument, she alleged the mercy of the Lord in being born for their salvation, the poverty of his birth, the labors and hardships it entailed, how he was nursed at her breast and cherished by her as his mother, and how many were the other works connected with these mysteries. This prayer was accepted by her son, our Savior, and in the presence of all the angels and saints that accompanied him, he acknowledged his obligation to listen to the charitable pleadings of his most blessed mother for her people. Again, he confirmed her as the mistress and dispenser of all his treasure of grace and commissioned her to apply and distribute them to men according to her pleasure. This, the most prudent lady, proceeded to do with admirable wisdom and to the immense benefit of the church. At the close of this solemnity of the birth of Christ, she begged all the saints to praise the Lord for the mystery of his birth in her name and for all the other mortals. She then asked the blessing of her divine Son, which in giving it returned to heaven. Instruction which the great lady of the angels, Most Holy Mary, gave me. 657. My daughter and disciple, I desire that the admiration and writing of these mysteries of my life and holiness induce thee to praise the Omnipotent for his liberality toward me, and thy confidence in my powerful intercession and protection should raise thee above thyself. But if thou art astonished that my divine Son should thus add grace upon grace and gifts upon gifts, and that he should visit me so frequently and raise me to his presence in heaven, remember what thou hast already recorded concerning my depriving myself of the beatific vision for the sake of the governing of the church. And even if this charity had not merited this recompense during my mortal life, he was ready on account of my being his mother, and he my son, to work such wonders with me as are beyond created thought, and were due to no other creature. The dignity of mother of God so far exceeds the sphere of all the other creatures that it would be base ignorance on the part of men to deny me favors greater than those bestowed upon other saints. Taking human flesh of my substance carried with it such an obligation in the internal word that according to thy mode of understanding, God himself could not meet it without a return adequate to his omnipotence and corresponding fully to my capacity of receiving. This power of God is infinite and inexhaustible and will always remain so. But that which God communicates is finite and limited. I too am a mere created being. And in comparison with the being of God, all created beings are nothing. 658. In addition to this, on my part, I placed no obstacle, but deserved the unlimited and unrestrained liberality of the omnipotent in all his gifts, graces, and favors, as far as they could be communicated to a creature. As these, notwithstanding their wonderful greatness, were always finite, and the power and essence of God is always infinite and without limit, it can easily be understood how I could accumulate grace upon grace and blessings upon blessings. And not only was I capable of thus receiving, but it was equitable that I should thus receive in order that I might correspond with entire perfection to his marvelous work of making me the mother of God. For none of his works remain imperfect or defective. 
since this dignity of being made the mother of God contains all graces, as in their origin and font. Therefore, as soon as men know me to be the mother of God, they implicitly also know, as in their cause, the perfections due to such excellence and dignity. It was left to the devotion, piety, and goodwill of the faithful to earn the regard of my divine Son and my protection by searching properly into my holiness and gifts and by recording and confessing them in evidence of their devotion and my dignity. For this purpose, special knowledge and enlightenment has been given to many saints, to authors and writers, besides special revelations to others concerning some favors and privileges conceded to me by the Almighty. 659. As nevertheless many of the mortals, even the zealous ones, have been timid in this matter, and others in their want of piety unduly sluggish, my divine Son has, in his fatherly condescension, at the time most opportune for his holy church, manifested to them these hidden mysteries, without depending upon human insight and knowledge, but upon the enlightenment of his own truth, in order that they might gather new joy and hope from the knowledge of my privileges, and give to the Almighty new glory and praise for the blessings coming from me, and from the works of the redemption. 660. I wish, my daughter, that thou consider thyself more under this obligation than all the rest of men, since I have chosen thee for my special disciple and daughter in order that by writing of my life thy heart may be raised to a more ardent and anxious desire to imitate and follow me. The lesson of this chapter for thee should be that thou follow me in the ineffable thanksgiving for the blessed mystery of the incarnation of the word in my womb. Write in my heart this marvel of the omnipotent, in order never to forget it and signalize especially the days corresponding to the mysteries which thou hast there described. In them and in my name, I desire that thou celebrate this festivity with great fervor and joy of soul, thanking God in the name of all mortals for his having become incarnate in me for their salvation, and also praising him for having raised me to the dignity of being his mother. And remember that nothing ever caused so much astonishment in the saints and angels who have a knowledge of the infinite essence of God than to see him united to the human nature, and although they continue to understand more and more of the mystery, there will always remain more to find out through all the ages. 661. In order that thou mayest properly renew and celebrate these benefits of the incarnation and nativity of my divine Son, thou must try to acquire humility and purity as of an angel. For by these virtues thy thanksgiving will be pleasing to the Lord, and by them thou wilt in a measure give some return for his having made himself of thy nature. Ponder deeply how heavy are the sins of men, who, while having Christ as their brother, fall from such excellence and neglect their obligations. Consider thyself as a portrait or image of the God-man, and that any kind of sin is equivalent to thy despising it and blotting it out of thy soul. This new dignity to which human nature was raised is much forgotten by the children of Adam, and they refuse to forsake their old habits and miseries in order to put on Christ. Romans 13.14 But thou, my daughter, forget the house of thy father and thy people. Psalm 44.11 and seek to renew thyself with the beauty of thy Savior, in order that thou mayest be pleasing in the eyes of the Supreme King. This concludes our reading today for day number 350. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 14, Paragraphs 651 to 661. I think one of the great things that we could do in our reading of the Bible is probably, as we heard today in our reading about Mary being the true Esther, would be today to go find our Bible and read the book of Esther. 
It's one that I have to refamiliarize myself with. But we know that in Esther, she intercedes, she prays. And so Mary, as the true Esther, answered, I ask mercy for my people, O Lord. And in their name and in mine, I desire and long to thank thy almighty clemency for giving human form to the eternal word in my womb for their salvation. I think this is an area that is of great interest. Again, going to the Old Testament and seeing Mary and some of these prototypes in these figures, right? I also know that in 2023, the Sight and Sound Theater in Branson, Missouri, will be doing a show on Queen Esther. And so if you want to see it really lived out on the stage, might be something of interest to go see. As a member and as the president currently of the Mariological Society of America, we are exploring having a speaker about Queen Esther and Mary in the upcoming year. So this is something that just fascinates me, and seeing it here in Maria of Agreda makes me even more interested. Mary obtains conversion of sinners. We know that from the champion apparition. She says, I pray for the conversion of sinners. We know that from the Borang apparition. She says, I will convert sinners. So kind of a very declarative statement. On all these feasts celebrated by the great queen, she obtained the conversion of innumerable souls, which at that time and at succeeding times were to come to the Catholic faith. So on these special feast days, the incarnation, the day of Christ's nativity, Mary obtains conversion, hearts are changed, God is glorified. We even heard that she liberated all the souls from purgatory, and that from heaven where this favor was granted to the queen of all creation and the mother of the Redeemer. She sent the angels to bring them to her, in order that she might offer them as the fruit of the incarnation to the eternal Father. It's always a good thing to pray for our dead and to hear Maria of Agreda referring to this doctrine of purgatory and Mary's role in liberating souls. And I think we can rest assured that on major feast days that Our Lady truly does obtain that from her divine son. And then when it comes to the solemnity of the birth of Christ and Mary celebrating it, it says that, on the evening before she commenced with the exercises, hymns, and other devotions, as for the other feasts, and at the hour of the birth, her divine son descended with myriads of angels and in glorious majesty, as on other occasions. He was accompanied by the patriarch St. Joachim, St. Anne, St. Joseph, St. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, as well as other saints. And I was really intrigued by that notion of other saints. Because the emergence of saints really hasn't come yet at the point where Mary would be having this experience at the end of her life. Of course, the Apostle James, who we heard already has been martyred, he would be a saint. But who are those other saints? Are they the, are they the individuals of the Old Testament? Are they people who have died since Christ ascended into heaven? That was a curiosity of mine. But this is what happens then. In this posture, she adored him in the name of all the human race and thanked him for having been born into the world for their salvation. Just as on that first Christmas morning, she adored the face of God, she adores God once again for what he has done and bringing her needs, bringing 
her petitions for the sake of the world before Christ on the day of his nativity. So it's a special day for us to pray for petitions, to really bring them to the crib. At the close of this solemnity of the birth of Christ, she begged all the saints to praise the Lord for the mystery of his birth in her name and for all the other mortals. As she begged the saints in heaven to do that, why don't we do that here on earth as we come up to the Feast of the Nativity? Let us thank God for sending his Son to be born, to be the Word made flesh, to be our Savior and Redeemer. We also heard today that the role of Mary as the mother of God contains all graces as in their origin and font. Therefore, as soon as men know me to be the mother of God, they implicitly also know, as in their cause, the perfections due to such excellence and dignity. So, again, Mary's importance is her role in salvation history. Because she is the mother of God, she is the Immaculate Conception. And so God has given her these prevenient graces. And then in her maternity, God is giving her grace. And that grace continues to overflow to all of us. The graces which adorn her life, we look to now, and we are inspired by. And we wish to attain them as well. Finally, Mary's encouragement in the instruction. In my name, I desire that thou celebrate this festivity with great fervor and joy of thy soul. Thanking God in the name of all mortals. Again, let's do that this Christmas. Let us thank God for the incarnation in the name of people who are ungrateful. In the name of people who do not thank God. In the name of people who do not acknowledge the incarnation. Let us thank God in their name and ask that God bring them to a point of knowing the truths of our faith. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.